Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. What is the Lord's response now to Gideon after he's giving these excuses? I'm just little. I'm nothing, Lord. I'm All this God says to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And then he said to him, I, If now I have found favor in your sight, Gideon tells the Lord, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from me here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. And so it probably took some time for Gideon to, to get a, a kid of the goats or, 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 or whatever and, and to bring it before the Lord. And the Lord was just waiting there patiently. Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. In today's study, we learn how God not only picks who He wants to use for His purpose, but also goes with us to give us victory. God's assurance to Gideon was not to build up his self-confidence, but to assure him that God was indeed with him. Gideon didn't need more self-confidence. He needed more God-confidence. It's important to know that God has sent us, but it's even more important to know that He is with us. Now let's open our Bibles to Judges chapter 6 and follow along with Pastor Rob. No way you can do this with just based on who you are. It's just not going to happen. You need this. You need a lot more money. You need, you need to have the right degree. I mean, you, you don't know anything. And then you don't have this and you don't have that. And they start listing all these things that you don't have. And God says, have I not told you? <laughs> and 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 I would be probably like Gideon and say, Lord, I'm the least in my father's house. I'm I'm just small. I'm nothing. Why don't you use somebody else? And the Lord says, No, I'm going to use you because you're the least in your father's house. And why is that? Because I will receive the glory, and not you with your fancy Yale degree. You know, whatever degree it is, your pedigree, your your giftings, your 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 skills and abilities that you've worked hard to to maintain and to and to um, and to hone those things, God says, I will share my glory with no one. No one. God will share his glory with no one. So in verse 15, so he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel, Gideon says. Indeed, my clan, it's the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. And I love Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul's response to that command or that, that statement of Gideon's. He says, I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. Paul knew the secret. He knew that in his weakness, God could do great things in him, that God's uh, strength would be made perfect in Paul's weakness. And we read that in the Philippians 4.13. And he loves, God loves to take the insignificant and the things or individuals that nobody else wants, and he loves to do great things with them. What does it say in 1 Corinthians? We just read this not too long ago, a few weeks ago. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. It says this, 
For you see, Paul says to the Corinthians, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. You know that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen what? Those who are educated in the Ivy League schools, the, the big law schools. God has chosen those who are beautiful in their own sight. God has chosen those people who are just so gifted, so beautiful, that they have to look at themselves in the mirror for at least three hours before they're able to go outside so that they can dim the glory, so that people aren't knocked over when they, when they see them. God has chosen those things. Is that what he says? No. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world, the, the off-scouring things of the world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring nothing, to bring to nothing the things that are. And why is this? That no flesh should glory in his presence. He will share his glory with no one. You know, as Gideon is sharing and making the statement that he's just the least in his house, the least of the tribes, uh, I think we uh, Jeremiah related to this very well when God called him. Remember what he said when God called him? It's in, recorded for us in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. The, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Before I formed you in the womb, Jeremiah, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you. Before you were born... Hmm, that's interesting. The abortion laws today say that they can, they can exterminate a life even after pregnancy. Can you imagine the hypocrisy and the, uh, the danger that those people making those decisions, they are going to face God and He is going, if they don't repent, they are going to face the deepest, darkest spot of hell that anyone has ever seen. I can tell you that right now. Because what does God say? Before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. So even before conception, God had a plan for this man's life. And what about the countless millions of babies that have been aborted in our country? What about it? God knew them before they were even formed in the womb, regardless of how they came about, regardless if it was an act of incest, regardless if it was an act of rape, regardless of what it was, an accident. Right? Nothing is an accident to God. And that life has value and God says to him he says before you were born I sanctified you before you were born I set you apart before you were born I ordained you a prophet to the nations and and then notice what Jeremiah said oh Lord God behold I can't even speak I'm just a kid I'm just a youth Lord but the Lord said to me do not say I'm a youth for you shall go and do all For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. And I love that. Again, God's commandments are what? God's enablements. We see the same thing in Moses. We saw it in chapter 3 and chapter 4 when God was going to send him back to deliver his people out of Egypt. And finally, what does it say in Exodus 4.13? Moses' final uh, excuse was, Oh, Lord, please. Send by the hand of whoever else you may send. In other words, Lord, just send somebody else. I'm not up for this. I'm fine here in the backside of the desert chasing around these smelly sheep. I'm fine with that. Send somebody else. But God loves to use the base things of the world. He loves to use the things. What did he do with David and Goliath? You know, David was this young, ruddy teenager And all these men of war are out there in the valley of Elah. 
and here comes this giant mass of uh, genetic material coming at him named Goliath. And what does David say? This, and he starts to defy God, this Goliath. And David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I'm going to take his head off in the name of God. And I love the, 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 the zeal of David. And can you imagine? See, that's the kind of stuff that God loves, especially when he's an enemy of God and he's, he, he, he is, he's destined for um, destruction. And he was. And David, uh, I'm convinced that David could have taken that rock and slung it like this and the rock could have went behind him and God would have made the rock go all the way around the globe and come up on the other side and hit Goliath in the back of the head. That there was nothing that David could do as he was throwing that, getting ready to throw that rock. God was, it was like a heat-seeking rock that was just going to make itself lodge right in the center of Goliath's forehead. He would fall, fall hard, and then David would take his sword out and cut his head off. Oh, to be a man. <laughs> Isn't that great? All the guys are going, yes, and all the women are going, ooh, that's so disgusting. But God is he, is, he loves to use those who nobody cares about. He loves to use the base things. So, verse 16, what is the Lord's response now to Gideon after he's giving these excuses? I'm just little, I'm nothing, Lord. I'm All this, God says to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And then he said to him, I, If now I have found favor in your sight, Gideon tells the Lord, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from me here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. And so it probably took some time for Gideon to, to get a, a kid of the goats or, 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 or whatever and, and to bring it before the Lord. And the Lord was just waiting there patiently. You know, this was a step of faith for him because remember, food was scarce. Their fields were being ravished by the Midianites and the Amalekites, and here he is. Uh, he's going to prepare this food for this angel. And one thing you have to remember is that a true angel uh, from God will not accept worship. A true angel of God who's been sent by God, will not receive worship unless he is God in the flesh, unless he is the angel of the Lord. And so Daniel, you remember, and even John the Apostle, they encountered you know, Gabriel and, uh, and Michael. And whenever they saw them, they fell flat on their face. And they began to worship them, in a sense, because of their, their, their glory. And, and they would reach down and say, don't worship me, worship God. And that was the angel's response uh, to these men of God who were overwhelmed by even the presence of an angel. And you remember that there was one angel who wanted worship and coveted worship, and we know that it was Lucifer. You recall in Matthew chapter 4, the devil tempting Jesus says, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. That's what Satan said to, to Jesus. And Jesus, I loved it, says, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So a true angel of God will not receive worship unless it truly is God Almighty in a pre-incarnate form. And that's exactly what Gideon did. So verse 19, Gideon went in, he prepared the young goat with unleavened bread and an ephah of flour, and the meat he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot. And he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. And then the angel of the Lord 
put out the end of his staff that was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire rose out of the rock, consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now, there are so many things that come to my mind when I see this. You know, I think of the prophets of Baal and how, you know, they poured water on this thing, on this altar, you know, seven times. And then finally, when Elijah calls upon the Lord, he he consumes the sacrifice, the altar, the water, everything. He licks it up, the Bible says. I love that. And then they see this. And notice that he is the one who received it, this angel. He received that worship. He waited for him to come, and he worshiped the Lord right there. And see, this is what real worship is. And you notice that the, um, that the angel of the Lord, God Almighty, he, it wasn't that he was hungry. It wasn't that he needed the meat. He didn't need the meat. Gideon and his family and those around him, they needed that goat more than, more than God did. God didn't need the meat of the, of the goat. But notice that God received it because that's what real worship is, isn't it? Real worship, remember, is sacrifice. It's sacrifice. Worship begins when we take what is a valuable, what is of value to us or valuable to us, and we give it to God as an offering to Him because He is truly worthy. What Basically what we're doing is we're ascribing worth to the Lord moreover than the thing that we possess or the thing that we have. And you remember, there there's so many wonderful instances of this in the Bible. Remember Mary of Bethany who had this jar of spikenard, which was worth a, a couple years' wage at least, or at least a year's wage. That's the costly, how costly this spikenard was, and yet she would anoint Jesus' feet. So real worship costs us something. Otherwise, it is not worship. And that's really challenging, and that's why... Sometimes when we gather together and we worship, uh, you know, singing to the Lord, uh, it's a challenge, isn't it? Because sometimes we, especially when we come into the building after a long day's work, and maybe you've, your boss had been writing you all day, and you're just feeling spent. You're, you're mentally, you're fried. Physically, you're fried. And you're just sitting there in the chair, and you're just like a pile of mush. And that's okay, because the Lord wants to minister to you regardless of where you're at. And you're just thinking to yourself, Lord, I just want to shut my eyes here until the worship is done, and then I'm going to snooze through most of the service, right? And, but the thing is, is to really challenge yourself and say, you know what, God, regardless of how I'm feeling right now, you deserve my worship. You deserve my worship because right now I do not feel like doing it, but I do it because you are worthy. Even though it's a song I've heard maybe a thousand times, Lord, I don't even need to look at the screen. I already know the words. I know them in Hebrew and Greek and Latin too. I know the words. (laughs) And yet you do it. You do it anyway. Even though your heart is not in it. Even though, and the devil is right there saying, you know, you're the biggest hypocrite. You're the biggest hypocrite. You come from from work and you come and you sit here and now you're going to be holy, right? And now you're going to share, now you're going to sing to the Lord. And you're going to worship Him. And the devil's right there going, you have nothing in your heart. There's nothing going on in your heart. Why even bother? Why don't you just leave? Why don't you just leave? Besides, you're, 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 you're making everybody else here, you're contaminating everybody else with your bad attitude. Right? And that's what the devil says. And God says, don't you move. You stay right there and you just open your mouth. You just open your mouth and the world can think you're going through the motions, but I'm just getting started with you. Because when he sees a heart, even though it can mutter out only a few words because they're so tired or beat or spent or spiritually discouraged, 
you find yourself getting encouraged as you worship Him. Because it's not about me. It's not about, it's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ, right? And so when we do that, boy, that the love lords that. He loves that, especially when it's, it is. It's a sacrifice of praise. Remember what happened to David. It's recorded for us in 2 Samuel chapter 24, beginning in verse 18. Remember that David, in his old age, right before he would go home to be with the Lord, he made a really big error. He made a big mistake. It was a sin. He wanted to, he asked Joab to go and number the people of Israel. And remember, as a result of that, God gave him three things that would happen as a consequence. And he let David choose which of these three things that God would do as a consequence for his sin. And and David says, you know what? Uh, I would rather not fall into the hand of man, but I'll just fall into the hand of God. Lord, whatever it is that you want to do. And the Lord did the quick thing and just causing a plague to come across for like three days. And he wiped out a lot of people. And then he was over Jerusalem, remember, and the angel came over Jerusalem, and notice what it says here, uh, that the angel stopped and uh, says, and, and Gad came, a prophet, came that day to David and said to him, Go up and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. And so David, according to the word of the Lord, he went up as the Lord commanded. Now Aruna looked and he saw the king, he saw King David and his servants coming toward him. So he's probably thinking to himself, I hope this is good. And he saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Aruna went out and he bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Then Aruna said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David says, To buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. David knew that there had to be a sacrifice for the sin of him. His own sin and for the sin of uh, mainly for his sin, for what he did. He knew that there had to be a substitute. God didn't request David to die, but David knew the only way we're going to get this thing to stop is to make an offering to the Lord for our sin, for my sin specifically, right? So Aruna said to David, verse 22, Let my Lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are the oxen for the burnt sacrifice. And look, the threshing instruments and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O king, Aruna, has given them to you. And Aruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. Notice what I love David said. This is so huge, folks. This is so huge. The king said to Aruna, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. And in fact, in First Chronicles, you might want to write these, this verse down, this reference, because it, it gives a little more information on this passage. It's in First Chronicles chapter 21, verses 1 through 30. Notice what David said to him. He says, No, I will surely buy it from you for the full price, he tells him. For the full price, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which that with with that which costs me nothing. So David brought the threshing; he bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and burnt and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And so the Lord heeded the prayers for the land, and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. David knew that. Uh, because, you know, Aruna, his heart was so wonderful. He's just like, you know what, David, I'll give you this whole plot of land here on top of Mount Moriah. In fact, it was that very spot that David's son Solomon would build the temple. It was that very spot that Abraham offered up Isaac hundreds, you know, or I'm sorry, thousands of years prior. That's where, that's where Abraham offered up his son. That's where the temple would ultimately be built on that spot. On that spot. 
And notice the angel, after uh, God had, uh, the angel of the Lord received it, the, the angel um, disappeared out of his sight. You, we don't have time, but you can look at Judges 13 and you can see uh, Samson's father, Manoah, and his wife. They had a similar encounter with the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord, actually, while they were building an altar or, or building a, a, an, and having an, uh, an offering there on the fire, that the angel actually went up in the smoke of the flame off the altar that they were offering. An amazing thing. It says, so now let's go to verse 22. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, and so Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then the Lord said to him, verse 23, Peace be with you, and do not fear. You shall not die. Now that would be very encouraging information uh, because uh, Gideon was going to be going up the Midianite and the Amalekites, and they were seven, they were like 135,000 at least, and he was going up before them. Um, he didn't know it yet, but he thought he had like uh, I think 44,000, uh, uh, something like, or, or 22,000, something like that. And God would have to winnow, and we're going to uh, winnow that army down to just 300 men, and we're going to see that in the next chapter, not tonight, but the following week, we will see that. But the Lord says, peace be with you, do not fear. Now God doesn't mince words, does he? He says, do not fear, because he knows that the person he's speaking to is fearful. He did the same thing with Joshua. You can look at the very first chapter of Joshua in the first, uh, um, the first uh, 11 verses. In fact, God said to Joshua in chapter 1, verse 9, he says, haven't I commanded you, Joshua? I'm going to bring you into the land. Haven't I told you that I was going to do this? And, he said, and God says to him, Be strong and of a good courage. Notice, do not be afraid. Do not be, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't that what he just told Gideon? See, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he's unlike anyone. He knows. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's seen it. He's seen yours and my life as if it's already uh, had come to pass. He's seen everything in between. And I love that about the Lord. Doesn't that encourage your heart to know that God has that knowledge? And to me, it's so wonderful to know that you're being held. You know, John chapter 10 says, There's nothing in heaven above or on earth beneath that can pluck us out of God's hand. We're secure in Him. So notice what happens. Verse 24, So Gideon, therefore, he built an altar there to the Lord, and he called it, The Lord is Peace. And that literally means uh, Jehovah Shalom. That's what it means. The Lord is Peace. To this day, it is still an Oprah of the Abiezrites. Now, it's not there today. I'm sure there's remnants of it somewhere, and maybe somebody knows where that is. I certainly don't. But then it says this, verse 25, It came to pass that same night that the Lord said to him, said to Gideon, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that was beside it, and build an altar to the Lord. Notice, he first had to tear down the, this idolatrous altar. And then, verse 26, Now build an altar to Jehovah your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. And take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you cut down. What is this wooden image? <laughs> this, we'll, we'll actually get to that in a few minutes. But notice this false religious system had to come down before a right relationship with God could be established with a new, a new sacrifice, a new way of serving God. It's been said, before God gives His servants great victories in public, 
He sometimes prepares them by giving them smaller victories at home. And before God would lead... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.